Life Spring number 179, The Expelled Show. Life Spring Media, bringing the message of hope, love, and good news since 2004. Thanks for your support. And now, on with the show. Right, all right. Another life spring so soon is just like the old days, isn't it? Well, we're going to try and do this more often. Try and get them out there close to once a week. Now, I'm not promising anything, but that's my goal. Kind of depends upon how work goes and the economy and all the rest of that stuff. But it's so good to be here. I have got such a fantastic show for you today. Oh man, it's a great show. Many of you will be hearing this on Election Day in the United States of America. I'm recording this on Monday night, about 8.30 or so. So the polls will open in, what, about uh, 12 hours here in the West, but less than that, back East. Get out there and vote, would you, please? And prayerfully consider the kind of country you want to have once this election is over. It's an historic vote, no doubt about it. For many, many reasons. But go vote. I've got some words to say about the election at the end of the show. But... I'm so excited. I got to sit down last week with one of the producers of the movie Expelled. You know, the one with Ben Stein about intelligent design? Yeah. What a great conversation. You're going to get to hear it. Also, I'm going to play a couple of clips for you from the movie. When we sat down, John Sullivan was in Universal City here in Southern California, not far from Universal Studios, just a stone's throw, almost literally. We sat down, well, in a strip mall right outside of a Starbucks and had this conversation. So you're going to hear the, the street sounds. You're going to hear people driving in and out, maybe some horns, maybe some big trucks, maybe even some shopping carts. Ah, that's just all part of podcasting, right? But uh, John Sullivan is a, uh, well, he's a, an accomplished producer, an intelligent fella, very personable, and I think you're going to like this interview. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation with John Sullivan after a trailer. Moving through history in an unguided and undesigned way, the theory of evolution. Excuse me. Yes. Ben, how did life begin in the first place? Mr. Stein, you have the same question every time. Well, you never answer it, sir. We, it developed, it dis, we are, dis, you, you know, we've been through this so many times. You have Could there have been an intelligent designer? So what are you here for? I made a movie. Join American icon Ben Stein in his new hit film, Expelled. If they value their careers, they should keep quiet about their intelligent design views. I was viewed as an intellectual terrorist. 
I have never been treated like this in my 30 years in academia. I lost my job. It's a funny thing that questions that aren't properly answered don't go away. How did we get from an inorganic world to the world of the cell? It might have started off on the backs of crystals. So you have no idea how it started? No, no. no, no nor has anybody. Nor has anyone else. So intelligent designers believe that God is the designer. God is about as unlikely as fairies, angels, uh, hobgoblins, etc. Science makes no use of the hypothesis of God. I mean, it's essentially official policy of the National Academy of Science that religion and science will not be related. There are people out there who want to keep science in a little box where it can't possibly touch a higher power, cannot possibly touch God. Must be some movie. Expelled. No intelligence allowed. Available now on DVD and Blu-ray. It's awesome. But we are here with John Sullivan. And John is one of the producers of the movie Expelled. Thank you for being with LifeSpring today. We really appreciate it, John. Steve, thanks for having me on. So right now, um, the big push is the fact that the DVD is coming out. Correct. Uh, but let's talk about the film. Uh, give us just kind of a background as to what the premise of the film is for people that don't know. Yeah. Uh, the film uh, Expelled, it, it features Ben Stein from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, ben was also, you know, when Ben Stein's money. And basically Ben travels around and looks, talks with scientists, teachers, professors, and, uh, you know, really finds out, you know, what ideas are being expelled. And what, what we find is that uh, there's really kind of a uh, lack of the of freedom of expression, freedom of speech, for teachers who think that you know intelligent design has a place at the table. And so really the academy, the university are saying, no, you don't have a place at the table, and we're going to expel you. And uh, that's kind of what we discover and show throughout the, uh, through the film. Right. We've always thought that universities are supposed to be the, the, the birthplace of ideas and in, in, in exchange of ideas. But not so much anymore. No, I think actually what they're becoming are institutions of indoctrination is what we found through this. And it's kind of trickling down to our high schools and grade schools even. You know, it's no longer about the freedom of exchange of ideas and having those those out there and being able to disagree on things and being able to present your side. It's really about this is the way we see reality or the reality we want, right. and that's how we're going to teach and, and skew things in that right. sense. Right. Yeah, before we got started here, we, we talked a little bit about our youngest son. He's His science teacher is always pushing that the, the, the uh, evolution concept. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, Timothy's bless his heart. He's 14 years old, and he's always first to raise up his hand and say, "Wait a minute, what about this other?" What's the difference in the concept of intelligent design and creationism? I know sure. that in the film you make some sort of a distinction. Yeah, well, in, in creationism, you're really trying to fit the Bible into science. You're really trying to say, "Okay, let's look at the first part of Genesis and fit that around the scientific data." Where intelligent design differs, and what it's saying is saying, look, everybody agrees that the world looks designed. Even Richard Dawkins, who's in the film, but is one of the most vocal atheists, he's a professor out of Oxford University. Right. He'll even say, look, there's the illusion of design. So what the intelligent design proponents are saying is, look, we're going to take that on face value and say that we think there is design. And we're going to try to examine how we look at biological nature and even cosmological nature and say, look, at how can we show that there's design within this 
and the parameters of that. So that's kind of the distinction. One, you have, you know, trying to fit the Bible into science, and the other one, you're trying to fit, you know, take science at face value and say, okay, how would design fit into this? So what do you say then to the to the people that say all you're really trying to do with intelligent design is kind of sneak creation into curricula? Well, I think at one level, what we found early on was the fact that there was a dividing line here. And there is a creation, uh, if you want to say the dividing line is anybody who's on one side of this who believes there's an intelligent designer, the fact that, you know, life didn't just emerge randomly, you know, what we've been told is those are creationists. And that ranges from anybody who kind of believes in deism yeah. uh, all the way down to the, uh, the Christian uh, literalist, the young earth creationist. Right. So that's kind of one half of the dividing line. And the other half of the dividing line is, well, it's all randomly, chaotically come together. So that's really where the dividing line is. And so from that standpoint, you know, that is a metaphysical question, but it's one that we think needs to be asked. Okay. Now, as far as sneaking in creationism, I think that's just a total ruse. I mean, I think people are just out there saying that because, you know, they have an agenda of their own. Yes. The fact that they're trying to stop that. I mean, what happens, the the, the uncomfortable question for people is, what if there is a designer? What if there is a creator? I have somebody then, therefore, to be responsible to and answer to, potentially, at the end of all of this. And for a lot of people, that's very uncomfortable. So, you know, it is a a metaphysically loaded question. Yes. But it's one we need to get at and, and talk honestly around in that sense because it's metaphysically loaded from the other side that there is no creator there is no designer there is no purpose or what they would call theology within uh, philosophy of science none of that can get allowed in so you know it's, it's more about politics at the end of the day than it is about the scientific evidence what is being presented to the public is first comes the science and then comes the worldview. I would want to argue that that may not be the case that it may actually be the other way around that the worldview comes first and is influencing the interpretation of science. My deep regret is some people are so deeply entrenched in their own worldviews that they will simply not countenance alternatives. So by taking the intelligent design approach, mm-hmm. really what you're doing is, is saying we've, we've got, if, if we look at the evidence, it looks as if there's a, a designer. But we're not bringing the Bible in to develop the thought process. Yeah, exactly. In that sense of, of, of you know, the uh, nature of the designer is a, as a secondary question. Right. The okay. first one we, we realized after we were going through this for a while was like saying, well, you know, everybody's got this common cause, particularly across all faiths. If you're, if you're a religious person, yes. which 90 some odd percent of Americans are, I think it's 91 percent of Americans do believe in a higher power they would be in the creationist camp of right. some sort. Right. So from that standpoint, who the designer is is a secondary question. The first question is, is there a designer or not? And okay. that's the first question that needs to be asked and answered. And then you go to the nature of the, the designer. Okay, yeah. So that's a good place to begin a discussion on this being out there yeah. who you know I believe is, is the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But uh, we can at least have something in common with somebody who is a, a Hindu or a Buddhist or what, whatever in, in just thinking that there's some sort of a greater being out there. Yeah. So it's a beginning of a conversation. So that's, yeah. that's a good way to go. When I first saw the film, 
it seemed to me as if Ben Stein was sort of the beginning of this uh, this process of putting the, the film together, but not so much. Uh, I've been reading some of the new, more recent articles online about the film and with the DVD and stuff, and I guess it was your idea to bring somebody in as, as sort of the face of the film who was not overtly a Christian. So how, how did the whole Ben Stein thing yeah, happen? Yeah, what, what we looked at was we, we thought this would be just a fascinating topic to go after, you know, to look at. The, at the time, there was so much going on in the press about it. This topic, you know, kind of science versus religion or intelligent design um, has been on the cover of Time, Newsweek. The Dover trial was happening. And so we thought, you know what, this this is kind of ripe for to go after. Right. But we need to go after it in kind of a, an educated way and from a different angle. And we need somebody that can go along on a journey with us, whatever that looks like, okay. which we weren't committed to in that sense, but somebody that could go along with us. And as we thought through it, the, the list got narrower and narrower, and kind of it all landed on Ben. Okay. Uh, as somebody who could, who could be funny, witty, and at the same time, you know, uh, the potential to kind of be deep about the subject yes. matter, too, and not be trivial about it. Right. So Ben kind of came to us. We were able to get a meeting with Ben through his agent, and uh, we went in, had dinner. And within 10 minutes, he's like, uh, I'm in. Let's go make a film. Awesome. And uh, so, it, well, you know, the, it didn't start with Ben. Ben was a huge part of the process. It wouldn't have happened without Ben. A lot of the direction was in our conversations with Ben uh, in the shaping of the film. And he's even one of the writers on the film. Is he? A, okay, yeah. good. I don't think you could have picked a better person. I think this was uh, a, a great selection. Yeah. Because he is. He's funny. Yeah. He, but he's very intelligent. He's obviously a thinker. So just perfect casting there. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And we, it, for us, you know, we wanted somebody that could be open because, like I said before, you know, this does have a lot of metaphysical questions. And so we needed somebody that would, would address those or came from that perspective at least and could address them and, and talk, you know, wide range of, of topics about that. Right. And that turned out to be Ben. Um, there was some uh, controversy after the film came out, what with Yoko Ono and the, the use of Imagine and stuff like that. Yeah. If you had to do it again, would you have chosen Imagine? I mean, it was, it was a good good selection of music. Yeah. But I know that it, it seemed to uh, create some, I, I guess maybe a shadow as to your, I don't know, integrity or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just a little background on that. So we used 10 words of the song Imagine by John Lennon in the song, and, and we use a... Nothing to kill or die. In the recording of John Lennon, uh, we criticize that and kind of say, hey, look, this is a naive worldview. And this is something that's coming from the ivory towers yeah. down to pop culture and from pop culture back to the ivory towers. Yeah. And in that, we're saying, look, it, you know, we've seen where this leads. You know, this whole concept of imagine leads to kind of Soviet Russia. Yeah. You know, there's no religion there uh, right. in that sense. There's a lot to kill and die for, unfortunately, in that situation. Yep. And saying, this is just a naive worldview. So we use it in the film. And uh, let's see, we released the film on the 18th, and I believe it was the 22nd of, of April that we were served with papers by a U.S. Marshal on a cease and desist that we were being sued by Yoko Ono. Right. So it did kind of put a black cloud over over the film. And, and we were hoping that some of the people would defend us in that. We're basically saying, hey, maybe you guys did mess up here. And we <laughs> knew we were on the right side of it. We knew we were on the right side of the fair, what's called the fair use doctrine, yes. which allows you to criticize um, and that. You, you probably enjoy that in your own oh, podcast. Absolutely. Yep. And we enjoy it as freedom of speech here yep. in America. Right. So we knew we were on the right side of that. We'd gone through a lot of legal hoops, checked with a lot of lawyers, on this, and uh, immediately the Stanford Law School has what's called the Fair Use Project, and they came to our defense pro bono in the situation to defend us in this, 
as they saw it a very important case. Yep. And uh, so I, I'm very pleased to say that uh, just a couple of weeks ago, all charges were dismissed against us. We'd won in federal court and also in state court had ruled that it was fair use, uh, that we, if it did go fully to trial, we would win, prevail right. in those situations. In retrospect, you know, there's part of me that says, yes, we need to stand up. That's a principled uh, situation that we need to stand up and, and do for us. At the same time, it was a lot of stress, a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of sleepless nights I'll in that bet. sense. Having Tony Falzone and Julie Ahrens from Sanford, uh, who are our lawyers, the fact that they came to our, our rescue and our defense, you know, helped a lot. But, you know, we still have a lot of legal costs around that um, and everything else. So... You know, I don't know. At the end of the day, maybe in a month or so, I said, no, I wouldn't do that. Right now, I'm feeling fresh off of them dismissing the case, so I'm feeling like, yeah, we would do that again. But uh, it it was a lot of work to go through. I mean, appearing in federal court, state court, and all those situations, um, yeah. Very, very stressful. Yeah. Did it it take any momentum from the, the film? Uh, as far as ticket sales? Yeah, I, I believe it did. I, I really do. I believe in one sense, because what happened in, in one way is basically what we were served with was they were trying to get what's called a, a TRO, which is a temporary temporary, temporary restraining, restraining order, order right. to keep the film out of theaters. Right. So there was a real possibility had a judge sided with them, they would have had to pull it expelled out. So we were in a situation where we didn't feel we could spend any more money yeah. with this looming over our heads. So right. in one sense, they did kind of do that. Also, to kind of make sure that the we felt the larger message of expelled needed to be out this fall, yeah. particularly because there's something called the Academic Freedom Petition, which we're very much supporting, which is a lot of legislatures are coming back around and granting uh, teachers, students, so you like your son, the right to dissent from Darwinian evolution. So when he holds up his hand, his teacher can have no repercussions against him. No. It's, it's passed in Louisiana. Uh, it's pending in about 25 states are, are looking to, to bring it in. So we're looking to support that. So we felt this greater message uh, needed that. So we actually took uh, the Imagine part out for the DVD. Oh, you did? Yeah, just so we can get it out because um, we couldn't have any legal kind of cloud hanging over our head to get the DVD out. Okay. We're hoping to put that back in now that we've all the cases have been dismissed with prejudice. Uh, I mean, they can't come back and sue us again on this. That will put it back in for subsequent DVD releases. Okay. Well, it will be on this part of the show anyway. I'll be playing in the background a little bit while we're doing this. Great. <laughs> just know you're protected, and if you, if you get in trouble, we know some people at Stanford okay. that can help you. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, so, uh, so tell me again the, the name of this act. Academic Freedom Petition. So what it allows people to do, and it's, it's you can go to academicfreedompetition.com okay. or you can go to our w- website, expelledthemovie.com, and there's a link on there. Great. And what it's allowing students to do is dissent from Darwinian or what's called neo-Darwinian theory, which really is atheistic at its core. It's really Absolutely. a way of smuggling in kind of secularism of course. Um, and atheism in through the science textbooks. And so if a, a student questions that, like your son, raises his hand and says, hey, I don't think this is right. This is a metaphysic being introduced here. This isn't really... And the evidence, there's a lot of evidence, counter-evidence to the weaknesses of the theory. Right. You know, a teacher right now could really penalize them. There wouldn't be any sort of repercussions against them. Right. With the academic freedom petition, if that gets passed, say, here in California, then that could happen to where they would have the freedom to dissent with nothing coming back to them. Okay. That's passed in Louisiana right. in June. We know Michigan, Missouri, and Florida are all considering these bills. And then we've heard rumblings that there's about 25 states total that are looking to, to have something of that nature. So we think it's a, a very positive step. We didn't initiate it, but it came started happening right around the same time the movie was coming out. And so uh, the the push to get the DVD out now is to help that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, this is a good time of year, too, for holiday sales, Christmas sales. So uh, we want to you know help that as much as possible, too. 
what else do you want people to know about the film? Well, I think that they need to know, uh, well, the comments we get from a lot of people are, hey, I've been asleep at the wheel, I didn't know this was going on, I kind of knew it was going on, but I didn't really know it was going on, and understanding the level that, you know, our freedoms are being dismantled in a right. way, is anybody who's gone through, I think college will understand, is the fact that, you know, there is kind of an agenda uh, in the universities overall. I mean, every university is different. But, you know, even myself, I faced a, I had a very good relationship with my teachers. I was looking to do a PhD in marine sciences. And uh, early in my college career, I had a, a professor that uh, said, there's no theology in biology. And I kind of, like your son, stood up and said, wait a second, that sounds like a philosophical or religious statement, not a scientific statement. Yep. And, I mean, this is a teacher I'd gone to her house for barbecues, done field studies with her. Very good relationship. And we kind of got back and forth on it. And uh, I realized, I'm like, well, you know, I basically have my own expelled story through this situation that happened, you know, 10 years ago in this. So I think for a lot of people, they need to understand this is happening. It's not something that's kind of out there in another country like France or just something over in the continent of of Europe happening. Right. But it's here in America. Absolutely. I mean, the stories we go through are all American stories Mm -hmm. that happen. There's recently one that did happen in the U.K., where the uh, education the education minister out of the Royal Society was just asked to step down because he said, look it, if you have students that ask about creationism or intelligent design, you should engage them in conversation. And he, he very much supports evolution. But people thought, one, he was a, he's, a, uh, I believe, an Anglican minister. Okay. And then two, because he said, yes, you should have the discussion about this. It, it gives you a, uh, an opportunity for teaching. That created this whole thing. They asked for his resignation. Wow. Over this. So it's still happening mm-hmm. right now. Um, you know, we, we document uh, Richard Sternberg at the Smithsonian, Guillermo Gonzalez at Iowa State University, Caroline Crocker, who was at George Mason University, Robert Marks, who was at Baylor University, which is a Christian university, but it's it's even happening on that level. Right, right. So we go through all those and show that, you know, these are how people are being expelled. Yeah, it's not even a a new thing. I was in university back in the 70s. -hmm. My biology professor was a great guy. I mean, he taught me rock climbing, he taught me backpacking and all kinds of great stuff. But, boy, I mean, when it came down to evolution and creation, we had no common ground. And, uh, you know, he was not at all apologetic about it. And he obviously used every uh, opportunity in class to, you know, push the the evolution without having uh, any grounds for talking about creation or intelligent design. the, The phrase intelligent design had not been coined yet, I don't think, in the 70s. But, uh it was, uh, yeah, it's not a new phenomenon. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it is. And, and I think that, that point that you even say there, it, it's more of a worldview perspective. Yes. About, like, I want you to understand my worldview, believe my worldview, rather than saying, let's have some common ground over discussing knowledge, ideas, those types of things. One of the great things, I think, is in the film, as we interviewed uh, Will Probine, who's at Cornell University, uh, I think it's a very powerful part of the film. But at the end of it, he, he says, you know, hey, look at... I don't care what they become. They can become a young earth creationist, believe in intelligent design, evolution. I want them to think through the issues. And that's really where we come down on this. Is We want people to be able to think through, defend their position, and have open discussion about it. Right. You know, uh, versus just saying, this is my worldview, and I'm going to shove it down your throat. And uh, it's no longer about the ideas. It's no longer about knowledge at that point. It's yeah. really about my worldview. And I think a lot of teachers use their position to threaten students. I think that's true. And in, in reality... Um, and I, I think Ben demonstrated this very well in the film, especially with the, the last interview that he did with the fellow that I've, I've forgotten his name. But they haven't really thought through evolution. They haven't thought through that worldview in such a way that it, it can be defended logically. 
the way you know Ben walked him through the thinking process, and when he got to the end, it was like he's gonna he's gonna say it here, but but he doesn't quite yeah say it yeah even though it's the next logical step in the argument yeah well, the, the interview I believe you're referencing is uh, Richard Dawkins yes is out of Oxford wrote the God Delusion yes uh, yep. is, so you have no idea how it started no 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 nor has anybody nor has anyone else what do you think is the possibility that there that intelligent design might turn out to be uh, the answer to some issues in uh, genetics or in, well, in evolution it could come about in the following way it could be that uh, at some earlier time somewhere in the universe a civilization evolved by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto perhaps this this planet. Um, Now, that is a possibility and and an intriguing possibility. Mm. And I suppose it's possible that you might find evidence for that if you look at the the details of biochemistry, molecular biology, you might find a signature of some sort of designer. Wait a second. Richard Dawkins thought intelligent design might be a legitimate pursuit? Um, And that designer could well be a higher intelligence from elsewhere in the universe. But that higher intelligence would itself have had to have come about by some explicable or ultimately explicable process. It couldn't have just jumped into existence spontaneously. That's the point. So, Professor Dawkins was not against intelligent design, just certain types of designers, such as God. He just recently did a debate. I was just reading an article before I came down. Uh, he recently inter- uh, did another second debate with John Lennox, who's also in the film, who's a mathematician at Oxford University and a philosopher of science. And Dawkins actually, from what I can tell, from the, I haven't got to hold my transcripts, so I'll have to say this with a word of caution, but it seems like he's even acknowledged there's a good case for a deistic worldview, right. uh, meaning that there is a kind of a, a watchmaker out there that wound up the universe but is kind of hands-off at this point. That's a huge concession, if that's really true, if he is saying that. Yes, that at is that point. And he also, in that, supposedly says that uh, the point he makes in the film, he says, yes, intelligent design could be one way because another alien civilization could have planted life here on the yeah. Earth. <laughs> so he goes to what's called directed panspermia, uh-huh. which doesn't answer the question because where did the aliens come from right. in the first place? Right. It seems in the debate he also uh, acknowledged that's still a valid, very valid... So it wasn't like we just got him on a fluke. This is a position he seems to be holding consistently. That's, I think, the argument that pretty well sums up the film, is it not? Maybe another 10 or 15 minutes after that? Yeah. Got any projects coming up? Uh, My my next big project is vacation. I've been uh, working at this for about four years. Uh, I I feel I'm due for a vacation, so we've got that coming up. We're actually looking at some new projects with Ben, particularly uh, potentially on the economy. Uh, he's, such, he's an economist by trade. His yes. father was a pres- presidential uh, economic advisor. And, you know, a lot of people are asking questions about what's going on with our economy. How do we get to where we are now? And we think somebody like Ben can really kind of translate, you know, all that's going on in Wall Street back to Main Street and understanding what happens back and forth between those. Very good. Very good. Well, God's blessing on you for your future projects. And thanks again for being with us today. Well, thank you very much. So, John, thanks again for sitting down with me and having that conversation. I really enjoyed it. And, dear listener, I hope you enjoyed listening to the the conversation. Hey, if you want to get your own copy of Expelled, the DVD, I've made special arrangements with John Sullivan. With your donation to LifeSpring Media of $25 or more, I'll send you your own copy of Expelled, the DVD. 
That $25 includes shipping and handling, and it's a good deal. So go to LifespringMedia.com, click on the Premiums for Donating link, and you can make your donation and order the DVD. That's LifespringMedia.com. Click on the Premiums for Donations link. Hey, don't forget, speaking of voting, I talked about it at the, at the start of the show. The voting over at PodcastAwards.com is still going on if you are listening to this prior to November 6, 2008. So please go over there and vote for your favorite shows. And maybe down in the religion inspiration uh, category, vote for this show, LifeSpring. Hey, i got to mention CovenantEyes.com. You know, those guys have been sponsoring the show for a long time now. They've got a great product. They've got a great service. Some people have a hard time dealing with pornography on the Internet. It's sometimes, uh, well, it's a habitual thing, and we need all the tools we can get sometimes to break uh, habits, right? Well, you've heard me talk all about Covenant Eyes and their accountability software, their filter software, and if you are dealing with the temptation of Internet porn, Covenant Eyes is a great way to go. So go on over there to CovenantEyes.com. You can get 30 days free trial when you use my promo code LIFESPRING when you sign up. So do that. It helps to support the LIFESPRING ministry, and it'll help you tremendously in your relationships. I also wanted to mention the LifeSpring Why Christmas show. We're doing it again this year, James and I, and we are asking for your input. One of the things that we're going to be doing this year is asking people to call in with a foreign language version of Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas, however it is you say it, in your country. Over there in the UK, they say Happy Christmas. Here in the United States, we say Merry Christmas, and around the world, it's said in different ways. So if you know a foreign language, by foreign, I mean other than English, uh, way to say Merry Christmas, call that in to the listener comment line toll-free in the United States at 877-433-9091. If you have the capability of recording, if you've got a microphone, in other words, uh, and you'd like to record that, do so, and then send it to steve.lifespring at gmail.com. You can send an MP3 file or a WAV file or an AIFF file or whatever you want to send. I can filter it all and I can make it all happen. So, hey, be a part of the LifeSpring Why Christmas show and send that in, would you? And by the way, speaking of Merry Christmas, I know it's early. We just got through with Halloween. Thanksgiving isn't even here yet. But listen, you want to be prepared. Are you tired of people being afraid to say Merry Christmas to you? Are you tired of the happy holidays thing? Well, I have created a button. It's about a three. Well, it's not about it's a three inch diameter button that says it's okay to say Merry Christmas. It's a good looking button. You can go over to LifespringMedia.com and click on the link that says premiums for donations. And with a five, just a $5 donation per button, I'll send you one of those buttons. So click on that link there. Take a look at the button. It's a good-looking button, like I said. Of course, I would think so. I designed it myself. But uh, get that thing ordered in. You can wear that proudly come the Christmas season, and you can encourage people to say Merry Christmas because, after all, it is not the holiday season. Jesus is the reason for the season, right? So get your It's Okay to Say Merry Christmas button at LifespringMedia.com. I told you I was going to talk about the election just a little bit. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I am going to talk to you about some of the issues. And I'm going to do it in a way that is maybe just a little bit different. But, you know, one of the issues that is being talked about in the election is taxation, taxing, how that works. Uh, 
There's a professor of economics from the University of Georgia by the name of David R. Kamershin, and he wrote this little oh, example of the way economics works, and this is called barstool economics or economics. Suppose that every day, 10 men go out for beer and the bill for all 10 comes to $100. If they paid their bill the way we pay our taxes, it would go something like this. The first four men, the poorest, would pay nothing. The fifth would pay $1. The sixth would pay $3. The seventh would pay 7 The eighth would pay 12 And the ninth would pay 18 The tenth man, who's the richest, would pay $59 of the $100 beer tab. So that's what they decided to do. The ten men drank in the bar every day, and they seemed quite happy with the arrangement, until one day the owner threw them a curve. He said, since you're all such good customers, I'm going to reduce the cost of your daily beer by $20. Drinks for the ten now cost just $80. The group still wanted to pay their bill the way that we pay our taxes, so the first four men were unaffected. They would still drink for free. But what about the other six men, the paying customers? How could they divide the $20 windfall so that everyone would get his fair share? Well, they realized that $20 divided by six is $3.33. But if they subtracted that from everybody's share, then the fifth man and the sixth man would each end up being paid to drink his beer. So the bar owner suggested that it would be fair to reduce each man's bill by roughly the same amount, and he proceeded to work out the amounts each should pay. And so the fifth man, like the first four, now paid nothing. That's a 100% savings for him. The sixth now paid $2 instead of $3. That's a 33% savings. The seventh now pays $5 instead of $7. That's a 28% savings for him. The eighth now paid $9 instead of $12. That's a 25% savings. The ninth guy now pays $14 instead of the original $18 for a 22% savings. And the tenth now pays $49 instead of $59, which is a 16% savings. Each of the six was better off than before, and the first four continued to drink for free. But once outside the restaurant, the men began to compare their savings. The sixth man said, I only got a dollar out of the twenty. Then he pointed to the tenth man, but he got ten dollars. Yeah, that's right, exclaimed the fifth man. I only saved a dollar too. It's unfair that he got ten times more than I. Well, that's true, shouted the seventh man. Why should he get ten dollars back when I only got two? The wealthy get all the breaks. Wait a minute, yelled the first four in unison. We didn't get anything at all. The system exploits the poor. The nine men surrounded the tenth and beat him up. The next night, the tenth man didn't show up for drinks. So the nine sat down and had beers without him. But when it came time to pay the bill, they discovered something important. They didn't have enough money between all of them for even half of the bill. And that, boys and girls, journalists and college professors, is how our tax system works. The people who pay the highest taxes get the most benefit from a tax reduction. Tax them too much, attack them for being wealthy, and they just might not show up anymore. In fact, they might start drinking overseas where the atmosphere is somewhat friendlier. And again, that's from David R. Kamershin, Ph.D., a professor of economics at the University of Georgia. Give that some thought. That is exactly how our tax system works. Is it fair or is it not fair? You decide. 
And then on the topic of redistribution of wealth. Some people call it socialism. Some people even take it a little bit further and call it communism. Well, let's talk about redistribution of wealth. This is an email that I received from my mother-in-law, of all people. It says, now, this is not her exactly. She forwarded this, okay? It says, today on my way to lunch, I passed a homeless guy with a sign that read, Vote Obama, I need the money. I laughed. Once in the restaurant, my server had an Obama 08 tie. Again, I laughed as he had given away his political preference. Just imagine the coincidence. When the bill came, I decided not to tip the server, and I explained to him that I was exploring the Obama redistribution of wealth concept. He stood there in disbelief while I told him that I was going to redistribute his tip to someone who I deemed more in need, the homeless guy outside. The server angrily stormed from my sight. I went outside, gave the homeless guy $10, and told him to thank the server inside, as I've decided he could use the money more. The homeless guy was grateful. At the end of my rather unscientific redistribution experiment, I realized the homeless guy was grateful for the money he did not earn, but the waiter was pretty angry that I gave away the money that he did earn, even though the actual recipient deserved money more. I guess redistribution of wealth is an easier thing to swallow in concept than in practical application. So again, I'm not telling you which way to go. I'm merely passing on some food for thought. And finally, this comes from Shana. This is the top 10 predictions no matter who wins the election. We're going to do it from the bottom up like David Letterman does, okay? Number 10 for the top predictions no matter who wins the election. Number 10 is the Bible will still have all the answers. Number 9, prayer will still work. Number 8, the Holy Spirit will still move. Number seven on the top ten predictions, no matter who wins the election. Number seven is, God will still inhabit the praises of his people. Number six, there will still be God-anointed preaching. Number five, there will still be singing of praise to God. Number four, God will still pour out blessings upon his people. Number three, there will still be room at the cross. Number two, Jesus will still love you. And number one on the top ten predictions, no matter who wins the election, number one is, Jesus will still save the lost when they come to him. Isn't it great to know that God is still in control? So again, my friend, I encourage you to vote. If you are in the United States, if you are eligible to vote, pray about it. Your vote matters. Don't listen to the polls. No matter what your side is, do not listen to the polls. Your vote counts. Go down there and punch the ticket or pull the lever, whatever it is you do in your precinct. I'm going to let you out of here with Scott Wesley Brown's song, When America is Not America Anymore. Thank you so much for being a part of my day and for letting me be a part of yours. Until next time, may God bless you richly. I'm Steve Webb. Baby, when you're all grown up and I am dead and gone my father fought for to make this country strong would just be faded memories like the lines of some old song from a time when right was right and wrong was wrong baby when you're all grown up and a color 
lines have been blurred The stars and stripes forgotten And our language is seldom heard I can see the signs now Hear the voices to my left The wisdom of our founders They have chosen to reject Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 